Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Hey, the Red Links.com podcast. Hey. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you the Red Links. Welcome to Frightfest preview podcast from Britflix. My name's Stuart Wright, and today we're talking third night. Can you introduce yourself, please? <laughs> Hello there, Stuart. My name's Adam Gravely, uh, writer, director, co-producer, and also the editor of the film. Blimey, O'Reilly, that's all bases covered, so this should be an easy podcast for you to do. <laughs> so what happens if you don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Now, to, uh, to get things started then, do you want to give a brief synopsis as to what Third Night's about? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, the, uh, the initial idea is um, inspired by some real-life events that happened out of America, actually, um, okay. uh, a few years ago when um, an unknown watcher was stalking a, a family by leaving creepy notes around their, their property uh, for them to find. So I kind of sort of – my brother-in-law, um, who lives in the UK, sent me uh, a Facebook post about the story, and I kind of – I like the idea of um, not actually seeing the antagonist – Mm-hmm. Um, for you know, for at least the most part of the film, so I kind of thought that was quite an interesting sort of take on uh, the sort of um, creepy leaving notes around the house type genre, um, sort of uh, freaking freaking out the uh, the owners. So I mean the um, the film basically is about a couple of newlyweds uh, who move into their dream home, and, and over the course of the first three nights, um, they get stalked and terrorised by uh, an unknown watcher, um, and sort of all, all the event, uh, all the events uh, lead up to the the third night. Um, so you know, it sort of it, it just sort of spans their first couple, and, and it's um, yeah, kind of a you know, it, it's only a small um, small little film, uh, seventy two minutes. Um, or so, uh, absolutely um, no uh, budget. It was done 
basically all all out of pocket. Um, but you know, we kind of just uh, sort of had this idea and had sort of uh, the location. It was it was a, a single location shoot okay. um, in a in a farm uh, down in um, Jared Elsa, sort of just south of um, of Perth. Well, let's uh, let's, go, let's get on to the production bit later, but let's let's just rewind a second. So, so you're you're yeah. you're taking an influence directly from a real news story to 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 sculpt a film. So, when 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 you've got that idea sat in front of you, how did you begin to sort of meld the real story and make it into your own? Yeah, I mean. It was kind of a funny, um, a funny process because on, on the one hand, you know, it, it, it's very much inspired by that initial idea of not of, of being watched by someone and not knowing who you're being watched by. But at the same time, I didn't want to get sued or anything, so I kind of just made up this sort of whole sort of backstory. And to be honest, I kind of looked inside. I kind of just looked at myself and my wife, and you know, we had literally just bought our first home, and so and we have a pet cat and. Our pet cat Percy went missing on our first night, believe it or not. And mm-hmm. so, and film that Nook, who is the, the 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 cat, Nook going missing is really sort of the um, uh, uh, the MacGuffin, if you like, of of the film. And it kind of it, it's it, it's what gives Megan, who's the um, uh, protagonist, she's constantly searching for this cat and it kind of becomes the, the hinging point between her and Jonathan, the husband who, let's just say he's more of a dog person, you know, um, <laughs> and, you know, these, these, these kind of things are very much, uh, to be honest, very much sort of born out of <laughs> me and my wife. <laughs> I love dogs. She loves cats. Um, and, um, you know, right, so, right, right. What you know, Adam, right. What you know. Absolutely. That's exactly, no, that's exactly it. You know? And, and so, you know, in terms of sort of developing the story, you know, I had that sort of nugget of, of sort of inspiration in terms of someone watching, leaving notes and being very creepy. And, you know, I knew actually that I had the location. So I sort of wrote the story based around, you know, what if what if me and my wife moved to this orchard and then we started receiving these creepy notes and sort of, you know, kind of took it from there. And, um, you know, in terms of sort of the um, uh, the structure of the story, actually... I thought, well, you know, having it happen over three nights, it kind of gives it, well, it gives me um, the pace and structure to follow. So effectively, every night would become an act of the, the film. Um, nice, like, so, like you thinking. Yeah, well, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to sort of shoot myself, you know, in, in the foot, you know, don't, don't make it too hard for yourself. I kind of thought at the end of the day, if each... Um, act of the film could be a night, then it kind of gives, you know, you know you're drawing to something, you know you're building to something, mm. um, so you rack up the tension and the pace and and, and um, obviously what happens in the action towards the third night. Um, and, you know, in, in terms of, you know, I've I've written 10 or so other featured spec scripts, so I've kind of been doing that, you know, for the last sort of six, seven years, sort of just sort of honing the craft of writing a story, so that that wasn't something that I kind of you know, I, I kind of felt like I could, I could at least give it a good shot at doing that, and mm. then, you know, um, using using each night as an act of the film, it kind of broke it down and kind of made sense um, to try and just sort of ease your way into the story, really, and then sort of just build up the the creepiness um, and sort of build up the the tension towards obviously that finale within the third night where it all comes sort of, you know, not giving too much away, but you know, where it all comes sort of crashing down and 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 you know. 
shit gets real, as it were. Um, so well, yeah, I, it's kind I, of. Well, I was going to say, I guess, I guess those giving yourself constraints is is sort of giving yourself rules to work with, isn't it? As much as it is about, because it does. In some senses, it could it could hamper your imagination, but also I think sometimes when you give yourself some some sort of hard fast rule, it kind of fuels your imagination because it's like, well, how the fuck do I get it to fit into this place then? As opposed to absolutely, got... absolutely, absolutely, and I mean, and, and this this very much in terms of giving it the the in terms of the the narrative that sort of structure in each night is is an act of the film, but also the location was a single location, and obviously knowing knowing where we were going to shoot, um, cut, you know, edged it way edged its way into the film as well, and and, and in, into the script because you know there's no point writing you know a, a fantastic car chase scene or whatever. Or, or, or you know because we knew we couldn't do that we knew that we could have you know uh, a 1970s house we knew we had uh, you know 25 acres of orchard and we knew we had surrounding forests so you know that that in itself you know and and the dead of night so you know you kind of sounds like luxury for making a horror film <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah well i mean the, the thing was written you know i wrote it and the whole pre-production phase was only a few months i mean that's yeah. That's sort of um, how quick it, it was. Did, because did, did you write for that location, or did the location come up and then you began to alter in the pre-production? No, no, no. It was no, it was, it was very much um, we had the location, and then the sort of the story, the the news report fell in my lap, and then everything kind of came together. Oh, so, nice, nice. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so I mean, in terms of sort of putting putting yourself in sort of a you know conceptual box it was very much that but that 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 only helped because you basically because of the timing we only had um a few months to get it written and then obviously do the pre-production we knew where we were shooting so it it just gave me focus um what would you what, you would, know, you say, what would you say would be your uh, sort of key key sort of reference points in terms of i guess stalking or home invasion type films that are out there already was there any you were taking your lead from Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, um, you know, The Strangers was was a um, a huge one in terms of trying to sort of that was probably more in terms of a, a production thing uh, in yeah. terms of sort of the way we wanted to film it. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I I kind of liked all the um, the classic sort of horrors uh, in terms of um, like the early Wes Craven, you know, Last House on the the left and yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the Wicker Man, strangely enough, you know, nothing really sort of to do narratively or, or whatever, but but just sort of the, the idea of just having, you know, an outsider um, sort of come into this world and it, it everything just seems off. Mm. Um, and so I tried very hard to sort of get across that sort of sense that everything everything's kind of uneasy and, and nothing is sort of what it what it is. Um, mm. But on a on an pretty much on, on, on no budget. I mean, like I say, it was, it was pretty much, um, we had, we had everything we needed in terms of, you know, story and a script and a location. We had, um, uh, my producing partners, uh, Dan and Dion, who are also are cinematographers. So we sort of, we had the sort of the, everything to make a film. Um, and you know, we just, uh, Basically gave it a gave it a crack, you know. I mean, what what was your conversation there along the, the DLP side of things? What was what were you looking to get? Because obviously, a, a stalker watching people who don't know they're being watched is is something we're familiar with. So, in sort of cinema, yeah. cinema land, how what do you, what were your conversations cinematography wise as to how to 
I guess A jazz it up to be to own it yourself and B sort of deliver on some of the tropes that you think were important in terms of what is what is kind of expected of that. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, we obviously looked at lots, lots of sort of, I mean, in, in terms of the style and stuff, we looked at reference films and, and you know, and, and to be honest, not, not so much just on POV and, and sort of watching and stalking sort of stuff, but, mm. you know, just, just general sort of horror horror movie tropes and, and whatnot, you know, and, and we pretty much, again, just sort of gave ourselves um, limitations in terms of you know you know we'll only use long lenses um for the for the, the watcher pov you know we'll, we'll use dutch angle um you know so some sort of some you know visual sort of styles that we can sort of um you know distinguish between the the watcher and obviously um mm. when we're you know within within the house and stuff but you know the, the thing that sort of i tried to sort of do is sort of create this sort of sense of you know the look and feel and the style of the film mm. i wanted to be well, I wanted to try and sort of have it as a, as as it as unique as as sort of possible, and sort of to have everything sort of based around this idea of an unknown watcher stalking um, a, a couple, and so it kind of you know that sort of sense um, of unease and sort of a little bit of detachment um, and trying to get the audience inside the head of the watcher. Mm. Um, so a lot of a lot of horror movies. You know, you, you kind of you have your POV shot, and then you cut to whatever's watching whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so you kind of get that sense of that, oh, you know, oh, there's there's the freaky man watching dinner, whatever. Um, whereas with this, I tried to sort of keep it a question mark over who was watching, and then by doing that, and this this is maybe sounds a bit too meta, or I don't know, whatever. Maybe, maybe I was going too crazy with it, but you know, I wanted to try and put the audience in the head of the watcher, so the audience then becomes the pervert, you know, or the the audience then becomes sort of the 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 killer effectively. So because we you know we don't cut to that shot of the the killer watching. Well, that's, um, a, that's a nice that's a nice idea. The 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 idea of not of not because we because what you're doing all the time is we're going. What the hell does that look like? Who does that? Who is that? What do they look like? You know. And if you don't show yeah, us, then I mean, eventually we're kind of like okay, we'll accept that we're meant to be watching what they're watching. So then that becomes. Why? I guess the question in the head becomes: Well, why are we watching this? What are we watching for? And I guess, I guess exactly. you're exactly. And I, yeah, and I was, I was trying to sort of, you know, they, I mean, there, there are there are scenes in the film where you know um, we, the audience, are watching, the watchers watching, and you, you sort of, you know, and you could be getting a little turned on. Let's just say, you know, and that's that's not a bad thing, you know. Um, there are other scenes where you where you're watching and and um, are, you, are you talking you know, the, are you talking the male gaze writ large then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's, um, it was it was yeah that was that that was an interesting conversation. Um, you know, on on, on production, but um, you know th- those those sort of things where um, you try not to um. You don't have that release by cutting away to the thing that's watching. You know, you're you are involved, and I was trying to sort of work a way to try and get that sense of audience participation. Mm-hmm. And look, I mean, it's it it's going to be in the um, uh, you know eyes of the beholder, as it were, because you know everyone's going to take that differently. And you know, some people are going to get it and love it, and some people aren't. But you know, it's it's something that I tried to sort of make as sort of as, as try and put sort of I guess a bit of a unique sort of um, no, take no, on it. And I think I think you've got to. I think when you're when you're working on no budget and you're working you know with 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 zero marketing budget, I think you 
the idea of the things you can control is the thought you can put into making the movie. And if you if you can do something which is going to make it different from another movie, then that that that, that that's a, there's a gamble that goes wrong, but there's a gamble that goes very right and becomes something of note with the film. I think I remember a couple of years ago, Adam Mason did a film called Hangman. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. And that no, was, I haven't. And that was that was based on again based on a true story of. Tra- he basically took the idea of tramps and hobos that were basically seeing that people were going on holiday, living in their house for a fortnight, and then fucking off before they come back. And, <laughs> and the ha- obviously the house is a mess, but, no- but actually nothing's been stolen. And that was the kind of story. There was a spate of housebreakings where fridges were empty, but, nothing- but the stereo and the flat screen TV was all still around. And so yeah. he took the idea of, well, what if somebody just literally moved in? And so this film is about someone who's rigged up CCTV in your house while you've been away, and then they're watching you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so the action—the action of the film is is of a family going about their daily life. It's not even the drama's not even about what they're at, what they're doing. It's more about when does the thing when does the person in the in the attic pounce, and so yeah. so it, it, that's already a different a different thing than we're used to doing, and I think. Playing with expectations is a is a thing you can do with a no budget movie, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly something that we we try to do, and um, you know, again, sort of just having the the, the clues in the title, but you know, third night and mm. sort of starting the film on the first night, you kind of you know you're sort of gearing towards something, you know, you're sort of you're going towards, you know, this is going to something's going to happen on the third night, and it's going to sort of come to a peak. Um, so, you know, that sort of. Um, you know, we we try to just sort of use as many of the spaces within the you know the, the property and, and around the properties as as we could really. I mean, we had I mean, in, you know, in terms of single location, it was it was quite a dream, I guess, because we I mean, we had you know we had forest, we had orchard, we had sheds, we had um, a house. You know, it's it's a pretty big um, <laughs> it's a pretty big property. So did you, um, did, you did, lot- did you use all that space to pretend distance, or did you use that space to to close us in? Well, no, I mean, very much sort of um, to, to, to sort of close in, you know, okay. in terms of the um, making them sort of, um, you know, that sense of that, even though there's all this space, that they, they feel very trapped. Um, Got you. But, um, but, it, it, but it also just gave us sort of, uh, yeah, a few different aesthetics, you know, to use throughout the film and, you know, um, you know and, and things like with the, um, you know, the production design obviously uh, comes down to, to what, is there and what you can do to, to dress, you know, the, the shed in the house. And, you know, with the house, we very much stripped it back. Mm. Um, like it looked like, you know, it's obviously just something, just someone's just moved in. And like with the shed, you know, there was a, all these um, hooks and um, sides and, and, and all sorts of farming equipment and, and stuff. So, you know, we, we were kind of very lucky, uh, which you can then use, you know, to your, uh, advantage and you know you can just even if it's a, a cutaway and stuff you know you kind of just try and use use what's there to sort of aid and sort of help the story and I mean that was something as well that, that sort of happened there was there was a big turning point during production during you know um, when we were uh, um, going through the script that we kind of had this idea of introducing another element to the film and okay. you know and it, was, it was this sort of um this sort of sense of um dolls and um you know what 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 good horror movie doesn't have a creepy doll um you know in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in 
So, you know, that kind of, that was sort of midway through production. So we kind of then utilize that to help sell the backstory of, of, um, of what's going on. And yeah, so, you know, we were kind of a little bit sort of fluid, you know, with it. I mean, we were as, you know, as prepared as we could be, um, mm-hmm. you know, I sort of, I worked with a, uh, storyboard artist, um, you know, did the shot list and, you know, scheduled everything and, you know, rehearsed and all that, you know, all, all what you're supposed to do and, and, and everything. And so, you know, we kind of went into it sort of as prepared as, as we could, but, um, you know, obviously when you, when you're dealing with, um, with a, uh, you know, a no budget, you, you kind of don't have, um, uh, well, you don't have anyone to answer to really. So, you know, if things, <laughs> if at the end of the day, you know, especially when you don't, you know, you don't have any production company, you don't have a financiers, you know, you, you just, you'd literally trying to just sort of figure it out. Um, and if something pops in your head, you can kind of run with it and, and hopefully it kind of makes it, where where did you where did you find yourself pull, pulling a pulling a rabbit out of the hat as it were? So in terms of the challenges you had to shoot, um, and what you know with the constraints of budget and location and resources, what 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 element of the film or what scene or sequence was you kind of are you kind of most proud of? Where you kind of you achieved a lot for a little. Oh, I mean, well, I guess just sort of. Backing up a little bit, just in terms of sort of what changed through during production. I mean, there was there was an entire sequence where we were. Um, it was more the sort of uh, the uh, um, the layout of the house. It's funny in my mind, the layout of the house was slightly different to what it actually ended up being okay. in the house. You know, obviously, I went there a few times before, you know, and, and during writing. But then, for whatever reason, I kind of had this idea that there was a corridor, but there wasn't a corridor in the house. And so there was an entire <laughs> massive set piece where it was going to be a you know, um, this crazy sort of dolly zoom, you know, um, Hitchcockian sort of <laughs> sequence. And then at the end, it kind of just went a, went a bit tits up and um, there wasn't um, a corridor. So he couldn't go down the corridor, look in each door and, you know, build suspense. as like, oh, shit. Um, so we basically had to, that actually, that sequence ended up in the edit um, becoming um, a, a lot more sort of... Um, I built the tension through the edit, which was yeah. quite interesting as well. It wasn't so much during the shooting. During the shooting, it was like, oh, shit, we've, I've completely messed this up because I had this whole sequence, and now he's just going to have to literally go from the lounge to, <laughs> to the um, to the bloody uh, bedroom. And it's like, oh, but that, that's only 12 feet. How, how, how can I, you know, whatever. So, you know, um, it was uh, it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a funny one. But then in, in, the, um, in the edit, I managed to sort of, cut it between what was happening in the bedroom to what's happening outside of the bedroom. And it's kind of a, yeah, in terms of sort of building tension, I think it kind of, it it works really well, but you get really, it's funny when you go through that side of the process, because you end up watching the film a thousand times, right? And, you know, you see it in every, every type of cut, every type of edit and, you know, from when it's it was the very first, you know, and it's, it's the very first rush cut and, and, and it's rough and there's guts and then you go all the way through and, by the time you get to sit, you don't know if things are funny. You don't know if things are scary. You don't know if that jump scare works or if that tension is really building because you're so used to seeing it and you kind of go, oh, uh, you, you kind of, you know, obviously that's why getting um, getting friends and family and, and obviously, you know, other people with fresh eyes to see it at certain key points is important. And, and you know, I'll say, my, you know, my wife, Kate, she's, she's pretty good because not only is she very honest, you know, she's brutally honest, which is what you need. Um, of course, yeah. And, uh, 
Yeah, it's kind, it kind, sounds... of, kind of sounds like it's the it's the like everybody likes to think of sort of creativity as being this kind of instinct where you know exactly in your heart what to do, but obviously the process of making a movie kind of erodes that instinct because it becomes a bit of a process, doesn't it? In some senses, of trying to make it work and reflection, oh. making it work, reflection, and suddenly the instinct is the last thing you can rely on. It's almost like trusting yourself from about six or seven watches ago that what you what you thought was good then is still good now yeah absolutely and i mean and, and you know obviously uh, you know the thing that you you realize very quickly is when you what you shot on the day which could be six months 12 months ago that's what you've got to work with and you know and, and so that that the instinct you had or, or the sort of the change of direction or you know you oh that will be a good idea let's try this you know, if it doesn't work or, if, you know, and you hope it does work, but you kind of you end up getting left with, um, and it makes complete sense when you, when you say it out loud, but, you know, you obviously, what you, what you film is what you're left with to, to work with the edit. And so, you know, that's something that um, we learned, you know, I, I tried again very much with the camera placement and, um, and with sort of the camera movements to try and <clears throat> give it that sense of voyeurism um, and so, you know, there are long takes, um, there are sort of, um, uh, you know, wides that sort of, I'm trying to sort of create that sort of uh, the atmosphere and, and sort of the, the, the loneliness that, that's within the, um, the house and, and the surrounds and, and, you know, obviously within the story. And so, you know, you kind of take a bit of a punt thinking, well, is, is that going to work? Because, you know, we don't have anything to cut to. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you storyboard it in a certain way and you kind of go, you know, and obviously that sort of adage of, you know, sort of, you know, just get coverage and you'll, you'll fix it in post. And, you know, I kind of hate that. But, you know, I, I, I like the idea that you kind of know, know, you know, shoot, shoot what you need. But of course, having not gone through this process of making a feature film before, it was, yeah, it was a massive learning curve. And saying so, you know, that, obviously you trip yourself up sometimes and, and sometimes you kind of go, well, for the sake of the the art, and you know, this is my this is my single take, one shot. Mm. Uh, potentially, that could have been, you know, that could have been done another way to tell the story, and at least you'd have something to cut to or whatever. Or, you know, we, we had a couple of pickups and, and whatnot to do, but again, with no money, you kind of just sort of, um, you know, you try and shoot you try and shoot to the story and to the script and, and sort of, you know, try and just get, get as much and as, 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 as best you can. Um, cause you don't really have the time or, or the money. I mean, the thing was in post for a year, um, after we shot it. So, you know, and a lot of that with, um, with no money is, you know, you're sort of, you, you, um, you're waiting on people's time to free up and, you know, cause I, I worked with some you know, great local, um, you know, companies to help with the grading and, and the composing and, you know, and the sound design was something that I'm, you know, particularly proud of with, with the film. And obviously with horror, it's so, um, what, 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 to... what, what, how did that discussion go about the sound design? What was, what was your ambition with it? It was, it was always something that I wanted to sort of have born out of the location. And so I, I didn't want synths and, it, you know, there, there's, there was a big sort of, you know, big sort of 80 synth trope thing going on sort of a few years ago and and it was you know it was great and it works for that urban sort of setting you know something like it follows completely springs to mind it's fantastic and it kind of works but because this was a uh you know it was a wood um and it was an orchard it can you know it felt wrong and so really wanted the sort of the 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 music and, and sort of the the sounds to sort of come from that and so we kind of started um just messing around with um natural 
natural sort of sounds. And it wasn't until we kind of we actually built our own water phone, which is I don't know. Do you know? Have you have you seen a water phone? Sort of? No. Go on. It's a yeah. It's it's a funny it's a funny thing. It's basically sort of a, a bowl filled with water um, that has these iron rods of different lengths, um, and you um, you basically play the rods with a with a string with a bow, and the vibrations create these. Do you really really? You know, it, it kind of sounds like. I mean, I, I, I kind of say it sounds like Dead Well song or something. You know, it kind of has yeah, this yeah, real, yeah, yeah. yeah, but real, yeah, real sort of visceral, um, raw sound to it. So we kind of, you know, Tim, uh, who's uh, Tim Count, who's a uh, composer. You know, we kind of once we created that, we sort of started building the sound design around that, and we sort of used that as the sort of the the killer sort of motif almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of um, as we get further into the film, the sounds actually get more raw and sort of real um so less sort of processed because you know one 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 thing that's great about the waterphone is that when you play it you never know what you're going to get which is fantastic but you know obviously you, sometimes you, you need a little bit more control so you know we took those recordings and then we did put them obviously in wizardry of 21st century you know we we could then obviously play them as we needed to um but then as the the film gets uh, darker and, and, and sort of the threat gets more real to, to, you know, Megan and Jonathan, we kind of strip that all back and it becomes very much more, you know, and, and the thing that um, the weapon of choice in third night is a sledgehammer again. So it's, 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 you know, very brutal and blunt. It, it's not sort of yeah, sophisticated yeah, yeah. Um, as you like. So I kind of wanted to sort of reflect that, uh, yeah, that, that sort of in, in, in the music and stuff. And, and, you know, I mean, we spent, you know, months trying to trying to sort of sort this sort this stuff out, and um, you know, and that was sort of um, something that you know I I could never have done uh, you know without yeah with, with, without sort of the help and support you know of uh, of Tim. Yeah, cool. Very, well, now, now look, well, before we started the podcast, we were talking about um, Aussie Aussie films, um, and one of the great things about Fright Fest is is the um, arms across the oceans and all the films from all the different places. And yeah. specifically, we were talking about sort of what what those films that were met, that come out of Australia and certainly in the seventies that was genre that have been sort of embraced by genre. Even though you know you could argue they're not they're not they're not atypically genre at all. Things like Waking Fright and, and Long Weekend, but ostensibly you you were getting you were getting something about Australian culture that you weren't able to see. So from from your movie, people sitting down in London's Leicester Square to watch your film. What do you think they'll Pretty, get? What do you think they'll get? Which is a kind of what? 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 What in your film ha- is is a, is 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 an essence of Australia? I guess where you shot it. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I mean the the obviously the the location in terms of the uh, the, the bush and, and the surrounding sort of um, the aesthetic of that. I mean, I mean the the, the characters are um, uh, sort of quintessential Australian, especially Cambo, who's um, one of the um, the leads in it he um i think looking at that as um as a british person you'll just get the sort of the i guess the the quirkiness of it um but the funny thing is is that you know i mean i'm i'm british and, and i moved yeah. here with my wife um so it was kind of like a british man's eye Looking at Australia, do you know what I mean? So I kind of no, no, really totally, no, that's good, that, that, and that's and, and so it should be in a way. I think if you didn't, it'd be like you'd be 
bit of in your eyes, sure, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, I guess the sort of the 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 sort of Aussie tropes and stuff. I mean, yes, the location plays a big part, but I mean, it's it's not um, it's not all uh, you know red sand and and um, you know uh, wake and fright type thing. It's it's kind of um, it's more sort of uh, you know the the confines of the trees and the bush and and, and stuff. Um, but you know, it's it's definitely um, it's definitely a, an Aussie flavour to it. it. It's kind of funny. I mean, the, but the the lead guy um, Rob is. Um, from uh, from Hull, I think you know he's he's British, um, so it's it's kind of got that sort of it's it's kind of yeah it's it's, it's got this uh, you know um, British Australian sort of mix to it. Um, so and, that, and that's why it's kind of I mean it, it's it's amazing um, that Fright Fest uh, you know have uh, have taken you know fondly to it because I mean it it just seems, it almost seems right that it's having. It's uh, you know premiere in, in London almost. Does that make sense? It's because, no, I mean, no, no. Made... I was going to ask you, given given we talked about the fact that you studied in London, um, how how do you feel about about a world premiere at, at you know at the at Leicester, Empire Leicester Square? Oh, Stuart. I mean, oh, look. To be completely honest, <laughs> I pretty much cried when I got the, the email from Greg. <laughs> I mean, really? the, the, the letter, you know, the letter of acceptance. I mean. Not at the end of the day, you know, never in Wilder's Dreams, like, did I think we'd get into Fright Fest? And to be brutally honest, I wasn't even going to submit it to the festival purely because I didn't think we stood a chance. Um, because it's it's Fright Fest, right? I mean, it's the it is the biggest genre film festival in the UK, and you know, it's world renowned, and, and you know, and all this, and it, you know, you kind of you have you know. I'm a, I'm a modest guy, and you know, you, you look at the, you know, we talked about earlier on about sort of what, you know, trying to get sort of what you see um, on the on the page on the screen and stuff, and you and you kind of you, you look at it and you go, oh, you know, look, we 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 tried for something, and you know, look, I mean, I'm proud of it, but you know, let's uh, let's move on, <laughs> you know, let's take what you learn from something, yeah, 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 yeah because yeah. because one one thing that this was was my film school. Do you know what I mean? So mm. in actually, you know, in going through that process of, of making, you know, my first feature, you know, pretty much independently and in, in that, you know, you kind of, you learn so many new things and you learn about everything and you basically end up, you know, getting your hands dirty with, with all sorts and, you know, you don't have the people to, to sort of fill the positions that, you know, a, a normal production has. So you end up doing five or six different things. And that goes about everyone that you do manage to get on, the, the crew with you so you learn so much so you know when when so, so essentially you're you're making sure you get the right shot and then you turn around going if the pizzas arrived for lunch yet oh um god yeah absolutely i mean you know <laughs> and, and not only not only that you know you're making sure that you know the makeup's not dripping on the actors and and the, the lights are in the right spot and then you know he's kind of it's completely film school of um robert rodriguez you know <laughs> he kind of, you know but there was you know there was we had we had a good little crew but um, yeah, at the same time, you are you're running around doing you know twenty different things and and um, what and that's... what I'm gonna say. What lesson with that? I mean, that, and that's that's kind of it's kind of atypical, but every everybody has their own experience of trying to be the director, but also having to accept that they've got multiple roles to make this production a success. What what particular lessons did you learn about yourself to help you keep focused on the the, the need to be the director of the movie? As well as obviously keeping your keeping responsibility for everything else, but how how did you get to be the, the keep to be the director for most of the time? Oh, I mean, I, I mean, I think if if you 
in terms of sort of what would I do differently? Is that kind yeah. of what, 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 yeah, yeah, a hundred percent get, um, get a first AD or a, or a script supervisor because the, the biggest problem is when you're trying to make sure you get the shots you need, but then also try and create the right environment on set and then also try and make sure everyone's in the right space and everyone's going to be fed at the right time. And, and, you know, you've, you've, and then obviously you're, you're, you're talking about, well, okay, we, we need to do these 12 scenes today, which means we've got to cover, you know, 24 setups. And, and we're, we're working a lot at night um, during summer, which basically means our working day was only seven hours because by the time the sun had completely gone down to when it was coming up again, it was only about seven hours. So, you know, which gave us really short days, you know, nights yeah, to, yeah, to shoot yeah. Yeah. as much coverage as we could. So, you know, in, you you learn pretty quickly, I guess, what you know what what you are good at, but also what obviously more importantly what what you're not, and what would just help. I mean, in terms of and and having someone dedicated to the script, just checking off, um, you know what what has been shot and what needs to be shot, and then just sort of you know keep monitoring that. It's it's such an important job and. I think, I mean, and that also comes back to what I was talking about in terms of coverage earlier on, you know, in terms of making sure you've got everything you need. And, um, you know, there's a, there were, you know, there's a couple of scenes in, in the finished film where, you know, again, brutally honest, we, we had nowhere to go. So that's it. <laughs> it, 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 it um, so there you go. Then you just, you know, you, you kind of, your heart sinks a little bit and then you kind of oh, pick yourself up and you kind of just move on and you, you know, you kind of, uh, you kind of do it, but, you know, but I mean, you know, and, and going back to, um, uh, you know, getting into Fright Fest. I mean, put it in as as a as a punt, and then you know, Paul uh, sent me an an email, I think in April, saying that they, you know, him and Alan really liked the film, and it was a, a sort of a a contender. Mm. And but that was it. And he said he was going to let us know in a couple of weeks, and a couple of weeks turned into a few months. And you know, <laughs> those, those few months, I I just didn't sleep, and I was going giving my wife making her go crazy and, and no everything goes through your mind because it's such a it's such a big thing it's huge mm. and the you know the fact that you well the fact that we're talking is is insane to be yeah. honest the fact that we're talking about you know third night is is crazy and you know the fact that it's going to have its world premiere in in leicester square i mean i i used to go to the prince charles cinema when i was studying and do those double features. And, you know, yeah. you'd, you'd rock up at like sort of 10, 11 at night and you'd just go right through it. And you'd basically leave the cinema and you'd see all the commuters going to work at five in the morning. You'd be going home. And I used to love that. And it's got such a, you know, oh, it's just so important and it's just amazing. And it's just got such a history there. And to, to be part of that, it, you know, A, on your first film, but B, on, on your first film that you kind of just took a punt on and you know and i know a lot of people do that anyway but it, it just it, it just seems crazy and it was just amazing and so when i finally got the the letter of acceptance i mean i oh, i just oh, wept <laughs> just, it was amazing it's absolutely amazing and so you know the first thing is you know book flights and, and book you know accommodation and, and see everyone over there because i mean there's, there's no no two three ways about it that you know you'd, you'd miss that opportunity and just can't wait it's going to be so so good i mean and just meeting um, you know, people uh, and you know some of the fans of the film and stuff. It just, um, it just seems, yeah. I mean, you know, dream come true isn't really cutting it, but it is. It really is. And you know, and hopefully, you know, it, um, you know, it will lead to, um, to, to the next one. I mean, and that's that's kind of where you gotta, you gotta go. I mean, it's a, uh, it's nice to have 
have them give you, you know, have Fright Fest give you the thumbs up, you know, um, mm-hmm. because you, you kind of, it gives you that um, credit that you kind of go, you're not, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not mental. I know what I'm doing. You know, I've, I've, you know, they, they've enjoyed it. Um, it's, and, a, it's, know, a, it's a significant step up from me. Grandma likes it, isn't it? I know. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it. And you know, or, you know, even though, even though the premier is probably going to be sure with all my family and, you know, mum's going to be there, but you know, that's, that's absolutely amazing as well. And no, absolutely. It is, it is. And that's why it's so important because, you know, you kind of go, well, you know, they, they, they've, they've taken a punt and they've enjoyed it and you've actually created something that they've really enjoyed and, and they, they want in their festival. And that's, um, that's not a small thing by any stretch. And so, you know, I, I don't want to um, trivialize it at all. It, it, it's massive. It's absolutely huge. And, you know, if nothing else happens with third night, it, it's, it's fine. That's completely good enough. You know what I mean? Fright Fest has had it. <laughs> that's incredible. No, that's no, no. It. I mean, that's the th- I think that's the thing that people who maybe haven't, you know, submitted to any festivals before. It's a, com- you know, largely for independence, it's a complete opaque process, isn't it? You, yeah. you, you put, you punt it out there and I can imagine what it went when, when you got the email from Paul McElvoy saying me and Alan, the fans will let you know in a couple of weeks. That's kind of like, well, hey, but it's not quite there. Yeah. And then, and then you get, then Absolutely. finally, after an elongated wait, you then get told you're in. You're kind of like, that's everything I wanted. Why did I? And then I bet, I bet you were going, Christ, all them sleepless nights I had, and I'm in. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, I was literally, I felt like saying, running back, saying, you know, I've just, I've just lived my own bloody fight fest. I've literally had the worst <laughs> of my life because you guys have kept me on this hook, you know. <laughs> But so, no, I mean, it, it's it, it's absolutely, you know, it, it's absolutely incredible. And, um, you know, it's, yeah, well, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. But just to have it, and, you know, especially as a, as a, you know, British filmmaker, you know, living and working in Australia, to have the first film that you, you know, you managed to, to make and get it through all that, all that process of producing and, and, you know, making a film, to have it then get picked up by, you know, the equivalent, you know, the King Kong of genre festivals in the in your hometown. That's just, um, yeah, that that that's something quite special about that. And, and to be honest, it's not going to really hit home until we fly out in a couple of weeks. I mean, it's um, I'm you know trying to sort of uh, gear everything around, getting um, you know, getting all the all the stuff ready for the festivals and and you know sort of um having some giveaways and, and all that sort of stuff. So just trying to make it the most of it, and also just meet other filmmakers and just sort of have a have a good party and just you know. I was going to say, not... make make sure you have an absolute ball. There'll be there'll be a you know there'll be a load of there'll be a load of other filmmakers in town, and yeah, you should have a ball. Yeah, the guest list is huge. I mean, it's over 150 odd um, filmmakers and stuff, and I mean that's just um yeah, I mean, it's 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 amazing. I mean, obviously then mix that with with all the you know the hordes of the fans and stuff. It's going to be um it's going to be insane. So I don't really have anything to uh, nothing to compare it to. So you know, and and obviously being. Uh, I haven't been to any um, of the other Fright Fests either. So, I mean, I don't, um, yeah, going completely, um, you know, wide-eyed and just um, up, up for anything, you know. It's going to be... Um, well, make yeah, sure, be... just make sure you enjoy yourself. I'm sure I'm sure you're going to have a blast. And I'm guessing that means there'll be sort of a Q&A and stuff with, with your screenings, yeah? Yeah, hopefully, yeah, yeah. I'm waiting to hear back from um, from the boys to uh, with all, all that. So, um, no, absolutely, it'll well, be we'll, good. We'll, and, we'll, uh... we'll put links in the show notes as to where people can get tickets and stuff. Um, yeah, for the uh, for the screening, and uh, yeah, it's it's good. I mean, the 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 first um, the Saturday showing is um, is almost. I mean, there's only four seats left, which is pretty amazing. Um, get you, eh? So, 
Yeah, I know. It's it's been no, it has the um, like I say, the support has been overwhelming as well, which is good. And you know, I think a lot of that as well is you know, people um, people from the UK they have a sort of a soft spot for for Australian you know sort of films and stuff. So I just hope it <laughs> lives up to some of their expectations. Fair enough. Well, look, congratulations on uh, on making your first feature film, and even bigger congratulations for getting yourself a world premiere at Frightfest. Listening to the Brit Frightfest Preview Podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 